Ryan, and we are rolling once again. We are back with another edition of Exploring Faith and Pursuing Grace. I am Lee Grant. This is Kevin Pendergrass, and we are here to talk about words. Not just any words, though. We're going to talk about certain words that are deemed offensive by some people. This is a topic that Kevin and I have kicked around, and it's something that we've talked about going through, and we decide, ah, why not? Let's talk about cussing on this episode. Let's go ahead and do a good episode on what does the Bible have to say about cussing? Is it okay for a Christian to cuss? And before we get into that question... Due to the nature of this topic, and since this is an audio-only podcast, certain words might be said, more than likely they'll be spelled out in this episode, that are often deemed offensive. So we just want to put that out there, that discretion is advised. So if you have children, you may want to put them up for a few minutes, um, or if you're okay with it, that's fine too. Maybe by the end of the episode, you'll be okay with your children listening to this episode. Who (laughs) knows? Who knows how it'll go out? Oh, man, I'm excited about this episode because I think it's such a taboo topic and one that is often just oversimplified and it's not really truly engaged because, Lee, I don't know about you, but there were certain words growing up that were deemed offensive, even by my own parents. But now I'm, I'm, it's OK for me to say those words. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's the same thing with me growing up. And if my I know my mother is a listener and a fan of the podcast, she enjoys it. Hi, mom. And she uh, <laughs> that's where our she, downloads are coming from. Yeah, that's where they are. Yeah. Thanks, mom. We appreciate it. But, <laughs> but dude, it's hilarious that you say that because growing up, there were words that we were not allowed to say. We were not allowed to say, but. Oh, yeah. We not. Oh, yeah. We nope. weren't allowed to say fart. Mm. We no, that, I mean, that's, and, that was the F word growing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was the F word growing up for us, too. And we were not allowed to even say crap. That was just right out. We couldn't say that either. And we weren't allowed to say ain't just mainly because my mother thought it made us sound uneducated and being homeschooled. She didn't want us (laughs) to be perceived as uneducated hillbillies growing up in southern Oklahoma. So I'm I'm from Alabama. So ain't that was that was part of our typical vocabulary. Yeah, it's part and parcel of of your of your vocabulary at that point. But here's what's <laughs> hilarious. You know what the penalty was for my brother and I if we ever said any of those words? We uh, got a wet what? willy. Oh. Yeah, we got a wet we got wet willied. It we it was an open rule is if you said any of those words or if you heard if I heard my brother say it or if he heard me say it, then we could give the other a wet willy with no repercussions whatsoever. <laughs> and it was really effective because you lick your finger and I mean someone licks their finger and sticks it in your ear, it doesn't feel good. It's so gnarly. You, it's very, very strange. So what you're saying is you didn't have to have your mouth washed out with soap like a lot of people of days gone by. No, sir. No, sir. But those words, but and fart and what have you, well, those you said, were right out. Oh, yeah. Well, and you said crap. It's pretty funny because that, that was still a taboo one. And it still is a taboo for a lot of people. And uh, I don't know if you remember Avril Levine. Do you remember her? Oh, I remember Avril okay, Levine. So, I thought she was gorgeous. <laughs> so years yeah. ago, years Crushed ago. on her man, in my high school when, years. Uh, I for, man, I forgot what this, uh, it was, um, uh, wow, Complicated. That was the song. I'm trying to think of what the song was called, Complicated. And I remember I just had the song on, I don't know, just hanging out in my my room and or just hanging out at the house. And uh, there's a there's a 
phrase where she says, take off all those preppy clothes. And because of her accent, my mom thought she said crappy clothes. And so I remember my mom came in there. She goes, you don't need to be listening to this talking about crappy clothes. And, you know, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's not a nice word. That's a bad word. And, and now I say crap around my mom and dad all the time and they don't care. And it's not because I'm an adult now. It's because that word has shifted gears in meaning by and large. Now, what and even the word like sucked, you know, th those are kind of like your in-between words, especially when you're growing up. Well, it's kind of you're not really supposed to say it. Maybe as you get a little bit older, you can. And then when you're an adult, you can say it under certain circumstances. But, you know, while, while some of those would be more considered just euphemisms, we're really going to talk about the idea of, of words and cussing and how all of this really plays out and in today's society, but also historically. And does the Bible, does Jesus have anything to say about this? Or are there any kind of principles that maybe we can derive from Scripture and say, how are we to apply this today? And so let's just start out with a quick definition. When we talk about cussing or profanity, we're talking about any words that are socially and culturally offensive or intensifying. It's an intensifying use of language, typically infrequently used. Now, in many movies, it's frequently used, not infrequently used. But by and large, one of the reasons why a cuss word is considered a cuss word is because it is a word that intensifies a situation or a point, And usually it's not used as often. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about any words that fit that category. And Lee, I don't know, are you familiar with clear play? Have you ever heard of clear play before? Uh, I think I have. Is it similar to like vid angel that will eliminate the, the cuss words from anything that you watch? Is that what yes. it is? Yeah. So I don't know what, what it is now, what clear play, if there even is a clear play now. Um, but yeah, it's similar to that. It was back in the day when there were still DVDs around, <laughs> so which those, those are far and few between these days, but you'd put the DVD in there and you would download uh, just on the flash drive, whatever that filter was for the movie. And it would take out, cussing, it would take out nudity, it would take out pretty much anything you wanted. Um, some movies were that were two hours ended up being about five minutes. You know, it started with like the beginning, <laughs> the beginning credits and then the scroll in credits. And that was the whole movie uh, because of how, how much stuff was in it. But I used to have a clear play and I wouldn't, there was a time when I wouldn't even go to watch a movie if I knew beforehand it had profanity and cussing. And there was a girl I dated years ago, years ago, and her and I used to have this conversation about how we shouldn't be going to movies that cuss. And we, we can now look up online if a movie does have any type of uh, vulgar language in it. So because we have that opportunity, we're responsible as Christians to take that opportunity to see if there's any bad words. And if there's any bad words, if there were any uh, profane words in the movie, then we wouldn't go. And since most people have no idea who I'm talking about, this same girl ended up uh, later after, while after we uh, broke up, she ended up marrying someone and they were in school together and he went to a preaching school. And there was a documentary that came out called Expelled by Ben Stein. You may have you may have seen this documentary. I don't know if you if you did or not, but it actually came out in the movie theaters. And it was it was basically a Christian documentary because his point was that or I say Christian loosely, I think Ben Stein's a Jew, but it's basically the idea uh, of intelligent design that does, you know the universe points to a creator. 
And it was just a documentary of Ben Stein interviewing all of these scientists, most of them being atheists, asking them, is there intelligent design in the universe? And so on and so forth. And in one of the interviews, one of the atheists uses the word hell in, in, a, slang, in a slang way. And this girl and her husband looked it up, or this woman, and I don't mean to, to be use girl, this woman and her husband looked this movie up before watching it or before going to with her school to watch it. And, and this was a preaching school, okay? Christian Church of Christ preaching school. And they said, we're not going to go to this movie because it, there's a cuss word in it and we're not going to support that. That's sin. And so they refused to go and watch this movie with the rest of the school. And I think they had to write a paper or something instead. But the, the point I'm making in that story is that some Christians have really taken this truly to the extreme, where not only can you not say any slang words in any under any situation or circumstance at any time, but you can't even go to a movie or watch a TV show or go anywhere if you know beforehand there's going to be even just one cuss word. And that's probably for a lot of people quite extreme. But I think it makes the point that for a lot of Christians, they don't know where to draw the line. I mean, is it PG-13? I could go see a PG-13 movie, but I couldn't see an R. Why? Well, because it had too many cuss words. <laughs> and then the debate yeah. is, well, how many is too many? And and, and we're going to step take a few steps back in this episode and ask, well, is cussing intrinsically even wrong? And, and what does the Bible have to say about language? So, Lee, I kind of discuss a little historicity of profanity and cussing for us, because I know you've you've done a little study on this, and I think uh, what you have to share is is valuable to folks. Well, it's, it's really interesting whenever I very first started looking at this, and what triggered me to start looking at this is not just the upbringing that I had in which these were words that we would avoid. We were averse to even hearing them, as you said. And it, it even goes a little bit beyond that because in, I don't know what the general posture is in the mainline branches of the churches of Christ, but I know in the one cup branch, I have heard more than one sermon about this idea, about the language we use. And like you're saying, you know, if, if it's even, if there's even one word in, in a movie, you shouldn't watch that movie. I've heard that posited before, but it went even further than that. And I have heard sermons delivered on the dangers of using euphemisms. You know, it may be, you know, you shouldn't use the word hell in a slang way, you know, in, in a way that, that isn't referencing the place of torment or it's being used in a way that's not in a biblical sense or a biblical context. But even the word heck would be wrong because heck yeah. is a euphemism for hell. And whenever you say that, everybody knows what you really want to say. And you're just trying to soften that blow and using that euphemism isn't right at all. And, you know, instead of yeah, saying dang, dang and darn and those types dang of things. And darn, yeah, you yeah. can't say that or dad gummit. You shouldn't say that either. Those are words you shouldn't say. But then if you think about that and, and we'll get into some of that historicity in a minute, but I want to make this point it quickly can spiral out of control. You end up with a slippery slope, even though it goes the other direction. Because many times, whenever those words are utilized, they're utilized in, in an attempt to not just color what you're saying, but also to provide a greater degree of emotional punch to the point that's being made. Yeah, there's that intensity that is in the words. Yeah, there's that intensity that's there. So if you can't say, heck... Well, then what about H-E double hockey sticks? I mean, that's right out. You can't even say H-E double hockey sticks. And I mean that 
in like in that set in that sense like kevin i would literally say well what the he double hockey sticks are you talking about people would say that's wrong well if that's the case how far does that exclamatory statement go how far do you go with that before you're not making any ex- any sort of exclamatory statement or using any exclamatory word whatsoever there was a preacher that i knew and his pet word because we all have a word that we'll use his pet word was foot if he couldn't remember something, oh, foot. Yeah. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, <laughs> I just heard you a month ago give a lesson on how you can't use euphemisms, and now you're using a single-syllable, four-letter word that starts with F as an exclamatory word. <laughs> come on, man. Like, what are you getting at? So, well, and just what you said, come on, man. I mean, then you're getting like, man, and is man a bad word? I've, I've heard a preacher say it's even wrong to say man because you're just trading out one uh, you know, one uh, one word for another. It's the same thing, yeah. according to, well, and, to some people. Well, and for some people, like even if you were to say like OMG, use that abbreviation, people wouldn't want that and because you're saying, oh my God. And there are people that take great offense to that because you're taking the Lord's name in vain if, from their perspective. And I'm, that'd be a good podcast in and of itself to talk about that concept because that's ex- extremely interesting. But whenever you say, you know, even people would say, well, you can't say, oh my gosh, because that's a byword for God or, oh my goodness. You can't say, oh my goodness. Cause if you say goodness, you're talking about my goodness. Well, your goodness is like filthy rags before God. You don't have any goodness. You don't need to say that either. <laughs> so whenever I, so whenever I'm talking in terms of this slippery slope, well, it, it really gets to the point. If you're going to be consistent, you can't make any exclamatory statement whatsoever. And at that point, you essentially yeah. become like Spock on Star Trek, and, and you're you're relegated to just just keeping it all there. But but that idea about oh my god, if I if I can use that as a jumping off point, that really gets into some of the historicity behind where some of these statements come from, and why so many of these words are considered offensive to some people and 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 others. Whenever you look at what we would call cuss words in general, what George Carlin called those seven words you can never say, but you don't know you can't say them until you say them and someone gets onto you for it. Um, those words, almost every one of them relate to one of two things. Those two categories that cuss words tend to fall into relate to either bodily functions or they relate to things that are considered sacred. So whenever you think of the H word, for example, or hell, you know, people use that word in a flippant way, and that's a relation to the underworld, the great beyond, the place that you don't believe exists where people go to and are tormented forever and ever, right? We did a couple of episodes on that. And whenever the word damn is used, well, that's short for damnation, and that's the ultimate fate that can befall someone's soul. Whenever you think of the S word, S-H-I-T, for example, that relates to a human bodily function. Um, Some people consider piss a cuss word. And in some cases, some people consider that a cuss word. I personally do not. It relates to urination. And then, of course, there is the the worst one of them all, the F word. And we don't mean fart by that one, which relates to copulation, which is the Latin term, which gets into some of the historicity here in a moment, of procreation. There's also several other words that relate to female dogs, which is the B word. And if you break down so many of these words that are considered cuss words, they fall into one of those two categories. They either relate to a bodily function or they relate to something holy. And 
what makes those words that relate to something holy, what makes them considered um, poorly is it, it's over time, those words are bad words. We call them bad words. We call them cuss words because they have, that is the the meaning that has been ascribed to them over the connotation. time. Connotation. Yeah, yeah, that's the connotation. Because you're speaking of something that is sacred, you're making it profane, and that's why it's considered profanity. But as it relates to bodily functions, here's what's interesting. And I'm actually going to say these words. So if you have sensitive ears, I apologize. It's not our intent to offend. It's our intent to to educate and to help people have a better understanding of, of where some of these words come from. There was an well, and, and before you actually say these words, this is actually a sub point I want to make. And <laughs> this is kind of a point within the point. If you were doing this as a lecture and you had a PowerPoint with these words up on the screen, people probably wouldn't have an issue with them on the screen. But if you and, and you, they can read them, but if you verbally say them, there is a difference in some people's minds. And I only bring that point up because there was a church that I went to. So there was a preacher who had a whole list of words when he was preaching on the screen, on his PowerPoint, words that Christians should not say. But he didn't put any type of censorship or no censoring at all on those words as far as spelling them out. I mean, he spelled them out exactly the way they were and are. And he had a whole list. I mean, he didn't just have the quote-unquote cuss words. He had all the euphemisms that Christians shouldn't say. And he said, now I want everyone to read these with me in their mind. Just don't say them out loud, which I thought was pretty funny because... The point he was making is it's okay to see them and read them for educational sake, but you can't say them uh, for educational sake. And so I just wanted to make that little sub point within the point because I thought that that was pretty ironic. Well, it is. I mean, I know that I have seen them on PowerPoints too, but there's usually like with the S word, for example, it would be S H exclamation point T, you know, there would be, you know, some sort of censorship in there or like F followed by three, like asterisks or something like that. But yeah. even then you had to fill in the blanks. Well, does he mean foot? Does he mean, you know, Frank? <laughs> does he mean, you know, flamingo? Like what what is what is he referring to here? But in any case, whenever we think about these words that relate to bodily functions, the the etymology of those words, the history of those words is extremely interesting. And whenever you look at the history of these words, it really relates just how culturally influential or how much, how influential culture is in ascribing a higher degree of meaning or intensity to these words and, and forbidding them. One of the things that, that really confused me is why are some words okay, but the other words that mean the same thing are not. Because what Mm -hmm. words are, whenever you really think about what words are, they allow us to communicate ideas to one another. I mean, that's what this whole podcast is. We're using words to communicate different logical constructs and different ideas and different ways of thinking and different principles to to our audience who then takes them and digests them. And then they may put them in their own words to re-communicate them to other people. And there are different words that have different meanings, like the word truck, for example. If I say the word truck, most people think of a pickup truck. Some people may think of an 18-wheeler. If you're in jujitsu, you think of this reversal from half guard that allows you to take someone's back. So truck is a word that has multiple meanings. 
Well, there are also multiple words that can describe the same thing. So a truck, a pickup, a passenger vehicle with a bed. There are different words that can describe the same idea or the same concept. So one of the things that I wondered is why is the word, and I'm actually going to say it, so I, I hope not to offend anybody, but why is the word copulate okay? It's completely acceptable for me to say copulate, but if I say fuck, everyone loses their mind. Everyone just goes absolutely crazy. If I say defecate, oh, that's all well and good. But if you say shit, everyone freaks out and you're going to get a strike against you. If you have too many of those words in your movie, well, then you go from a PG-13 to an R, like what you're saying. Those words mean the same things. Copulate and the F-bomb mean the same thing. Defecate and the S-word mean the same thing. So why is it okay to say copulate or to say sex or to use other words that describe the same thing to, to describe that, but that word that starts with F is unacceptable. If Keith yells at me from the bathroom, and I mean, I'll even apply this to my kids. If Keith, who's five years old, he's just now starting to learn how to wipe his own bottom whenever he goes to the bathroom. If he yells from the bathroom, dad, I went poop. I know he needs help. But if he were to say, Dad, I went sh and, and were to drop that, I'd be getting on to him. I mean, it, he'd be in trouble for that. <laughs> but if he were to say, I defecated, I pooped, I had to take a dump, I had to take a crap. And yeah, we're getting crass here, but it illustrates the point. Why are all of those things okay? They all are statements that communicate the same idea, the same bodily function, but the one that starts with S is the one that we can't use. And the history behind that's really interesting. I tried really, really hard to find the article that I read that talked about this, and I have not been able to locate it. If I'm able to find it, I'll put it in the show notes, but don't hold your breath. I looked really hard. I haven't been able to find it. But there was a fella, he's an Anglican priest, who, who put this article together on the etymology of these words. And what it boils down to is the Latin version of these words, copulate, defecate, etc., is was considered in olden days a higher form of communication and a more upscale up class or high class form of communication than words that were used in a uh, more germanic languages so whenever you consider the f-bomb for example the origins of that word are largely germanic and that was a low speech though those were the way that the low class people talked the higher class people spoke in in latin that was the higher form of speech that was considered more acceptable. So really what it all boils down to is, is a lot of these words that are forbidden, they're forbidden because they come from a low class of speech. The lower classes used this type of language. And by this type of language, it doesn't mean that they were dropping F-bombs all the time. They spoke a more Germanic dialect than the higher born people who spoke a higher form of language like Latin. Latin was associated with the aristocracy, with the high classes, whereas the common tongue of the people People didn't really, you didn't want to speak that because if you spoke that, you were showing that you were a lower class person. And so it was more in vogue to emulate those that were of a higher class. So people would speak that higher class language, even if they didn't fall into that particular social class. And that's, that's one of the things that this article communicated is that this higher class language was more 
um, desirable because people wanted to be related to those higher classes, those higher echelons of society. So they would avoid anything that made them sound like the lower classes. Now, over the course of time, over the last seven, eight, nine hundred years, as time has gone on, these words that communicate the same principles as other words that were associated with those lower classes, they are still forbidden today. And it's because of that cultural connotation behind them. Yeah, that's super interesting, man, because when you think about even today, sometimes people will say, well, only people who are uneducated cuss, only people who don't know how to use other words cuss. And and that's just simply not true. Some of the most educated people cuss all the time, and some of the people who have no education don't cuss. And so that it's funny that that idea, though, still comes from from that that connotation of, oh, well, only the uneducated would say things like that. Oh, yeah. And I find I find it interesting when you start doing a lot of studies on cuss words, quote unquote, and profane words, just the ambiguity behind all of it. And we've already pointed that out, how there's really not a clear defining line. And so those who really try to take it to the extreme, say, I'm going to avoid anything with any words that could possibly be offensive. And you can't do that because there's always going to be a substitution of a substitution of a substitution of a substitution. Uh, It's kind of like fellowship. You know, you're fellowshipping somebody who's fellowshipping somebody who's fellowshipping somebody who probably shouldn't be fellowshipped in at least the line of some people's (laughs) thoughts. Yeah. But, uh, you know, some line of thinking. But the point is, is that there is just, it's so convoluted. And when you go back and you look at this cultural context and connotation, and you see how we have still built this whole system of doctrine on this one issue on something so cultural. It's fascinating to me. That's just such an interesting point. Well, it's it's crazy because I never knew that that was the case, but that's a question that I had always had. You know, if the concept that we're discussing in and of itself is not inappropriate, because I mean, and there are times, there are time, a time and place for everything. And, and that's something that we're going to get into as this episode unfolds. But there is a time and a place for everything. You know, I'm not, we're not going to talk about bodily functions or digestion and the end product of digestion at the dinner table, for example. That's just, it's not appropriate for that particular place. But in my office, if someone's having an issue with going to the bathroom, sometimes people, you know, they note that they have better digestive health whenever they've been adjusted for a while. Some people experience that. And in that particular situation, we're talking about that concept is fine. There's a time and a place for everything. But if the concept in and of itself is not off limits and it's not taboo, well, then why is this one word off limits? But every other word that uh, that encompasses that idea is is just fine. But you just can't use this word to describe it. It never really made sense to me. And understanding that historical background and the cultural embed, embedding of that idea, it really made it more clear to me. And it, it really gets to the issue that that you can't ignore the cultural influence and the cultural background of this topic. It cannot be ignored. Yeah. And I want to make the point too, just so no one misunderstands what you're saying or what I'm saying. There's a big difference between using words, any words for that matter, in a negative way to hurt somebody or to harm someone, as opposed to relieving stress or intensifying a situation or trying to make a point. And uh, there's there's so much research on this that when I was putting 
information together for this episode. It's just really, it's fascinating. I learned a whole lot about this subject, but uh, Kill University researchers actually found that swearing relieves the effects of physical pain and should be considered a natural painkiller. And uh, Stevens, he was one of the researchers in this study. He said that he would advise people if they hurt themselves to cuss. However, the same study showed that the overuse of swear words tends to diminish the effect, (laughs) which I find pretty uh, fascinating and interesting as well. But the point is, is that it's there there's a there's a huge difference when you're talking about using words to harm and to hurt versus to to make a point to, to to even in this case, possibly to relieve pain. And or, or to relieve stress or to intensify a situation or a point to to make the underlining point. And I want to I want to just give some Bible verses that oftentimes Christians throw out there. And I used to do the same thing to try to place this universal law against any form of slang words or cussing. And I'm just going to go through this list very quickly. This isn't designed to be an exhaustive list because there's a lot of Bible verses that people have used even through principle to try to condemn any form of cussing or profanity. But some of the more popular ones are Matthew 15, 11 through 18. And this is where Jesus says, what goes into your mouth doesn't defile you, but what comes out of your mouth, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart and these defile you. James 3, 10, really the whole chapter on James 3 is talking about the tongue and how hard it is to tame it. It says, out of the same mouth come both praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Philippians 4.8, Paul says, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Colossians 4.6, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Uh, there's a lot of passages that just talk about empty or vain words. They may just use this statement in passing. Don't let your words be empty or vain. Ephesians 4.29 is a big one. I think I've even preached lessons on this or at least had a lesson with this point in it. In Ephesians 4.29, it says, Do not let any filthy or unwholesome talk come from your mouth, but only that which is good for building someone up. Ephesians 5.4, Neither should there be vulgar speech, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, all of which are out of a character, but rather give thanks. And there's many other verses we could look at, but when you take the Bible as a rule book, which we repeatedly say on this show, you shouldn't do. That's not the way we think you should take the Bible. That's not, not the, the point of the Bible. Yeah. But, but even if you take that and you put all these verses together, and you study these verses in their context, you study these verses even in isolation, you study these verses together, you study the verses apart, you come to the same conclusions that none of these verses are even talking about what we understand is the modern idea of cussing our profanity. Now, we're going to make a larger principle point a little bit later, but I'm talking about directly within context. That's not what these passages are talking about. Instead, they deal with things like making people or are people making empty vows with their words, uh, people not doing what they said they were going to do, for example, or pronouncing curses or ill will toward people through the things that they say in the words they speak. Uh, there's instances where using words, once again, any words against people in derogatory ways are condemned. Using words in ways to defame people or tear people apart. This could even include gossip or rumors talking bad about people. Also joking about sexual immorality. Uh, That's something that we see in Ephesians chapter 5. And and I remember someone says, well, you should never joke about sex. You can't even joke about sex with your own spouse. If you look at Ephesians 5, that's not what this 
context is talking about. It's dealing with sexual immorality and people who are joking about sexual immorality. This is equivalent to, I remember in high school, you know, look, I was involved in this stuff too, but ta- just, just talking about things we shouldn't be talking about. Sometimes guys would talk about the sex that they had with girls and they would be joking about certain things and then they would be joking about things they wanted to do to certain girls. And this, this is what the context of Ephesians 5 is talking about, sexual immorality. It's not talking about sex in and of itself. It's certainly not talking about sex within marriage that you and your wife can't talk about or joke about sex within marriage. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about using sexual immorality as a joke and talking about these things in ways that we shouldn't be utilizing them. And so, once again, there's a big difference in going to these Bible passages and and saying, hey, we've got to be careful with making sure that when we say we're going to do something, we try our best to do it. We don't need to be talking derogatory against someone else. We don't need to be gossiping. Uh, We don't need to be talking bad about people. We don't need to be joking about sexual immorality. Hey, those sermons will preach. I'm fully behind that. That's Christocentric. I think that that's correct. But those passages should not, I don't think, be turned around and say, okay, well, 2,000 years from now, there may be some words that because of a a history seven or 800 years prior to that, culturally speaking, had a connotation between different classes of people and that continued to propagate. And now people out of out of a desire to try to follow God, think that these words are wrong at all time. That, that, that to me is a great leap from the original context of these passages and what they mean and what they're talking about. Well, and whenever you get right down to, to stating that a particular word is off limits and something that shouldn't be said, essentially what you're saying is, is that there's a pattern of sounds that our mouths can produce and you don't need to produce those patterns of sound. And to me, that's, that's just as it's ridiculous. It gets back to what I was talking about before. And at the risk of beating a dead horse here, it's the idea, it's the idea behind it. That's important. Yeah. You know, the idea behind it is what's important. Whenever Jesus says, you know, out of the, um, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whenever Jesus says that the things come, well, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, I think that's Proverbs. But whenever Jesus says the things that come out of your mouth, come from the heart and these defile you, a particular statement that you make or a word that you use isn't what defiles you. It's the context in which that word's using. And I I love how you put that because really what this is getting at is, is the quality of the character that you are. What kind of person are you? That's going to be reflected in the way you communicate with other people. You know, yet you, Jesus said, let your yes be yes, let your no's be no. Anything more than that is of the devil. And what he's getting at there is this idea that if you have to, to swear on the temple or swear on the gold in the temple, or if you have to use all of these superlatives to, to elevate the, the impact of what you're trying to get across and the concept you're trying to speak of, well, then that speaks more to you as an individual than it does anybody else, because what that tends to point out is that you're not really a trustworthy person. If you're having to use all these superlatives to really try to drive the point home that you should be believed, then you've probably engaged in some sort of subterfuge and you haven't been as forthright as you ought to be. Jesus is saying, be the kind of person that whenever you say yes or you say no, you don't have to swear on all the gold in the temple. You don't have to swear on a stack of Bibles. You don't have to swear on your mother's grave. If you say something, 
people are going to believe it because you're a trustworthy person. It's about being the right kind of person. A person who's yeah. a good person isn't going to joke about raping a girl or, or having sex with a girl or what kind of actions they're going to engage in with this girl. A good person isn't going to do those things or speak of those concepts. Oh, it really, and, and, it goes and by, deeper than just the words. Yeah, and by the way, you know, I, I, I think when you the way you put it, and, and I think even the way that some translators have translated it in Ephesians five four, all uh, of which are out of character. I think when you look at the Bible. And you see these passages that talk about speech. It's talking about the spirit and the character of the speech, not the words themselves, because you and I both know words change. I mean, for crying out loud, the Bible itself has been translated into a different language than what it was originally written in. And so it's it's not talking about the words themselves. It's talking about the, the character of what's going on. It's always wrong to use words to hurt people. It's always wrong to use words to defame people. It's always wrong to use words to tear people down, regardless of what those words may be and regardless of what language it is. And going back to passages like Ephesians 4 and and, uh, Colossians 4 and even Matthew chapter um, 15, all of those passages, even James 3, pretty much every passage of that we looked at earlier, all of those passages are comparing and contrasting. So what they're a lot of times doing is they're saying, don't do this. Don't let this kind of talk come out of your mouth. Let this kind of talk come out of your mouth. Instead of tearing people down, build people up. Instead of hurting people, help people. And as you put it, going back to Ephesians 5.4, I remember one guy, he used to say, oh, well, it's wrong to, you know, to cuss. It's wrong to use euphemisms. And then one time, I kid you not, he was he's a preacher and I was sitting in his house and this is something now we've talked about how I was a, I was a porn addict for many years I'm part of a porn addiction group and one of the things that we discuss often is just how easy it is for Christians to joke about sex and I'm not talking about joking with their spouse or anything like that I'm talking about what I believe is characterized in Ephesians 5.4 is vulgar speech, is this type of coarse jesting where you have two preachers or two guys who are Christians and they see someone show up at their church and they go, wow, she is hot. I want to bang her, man. I wish I could take her home tonight. And, you know, man, you know, my wife, yeah. oh, man, I, I wish she looked more. That's the kind of stuff I think you have going on in the context. And there was a preacher that I know of and he and his and it's funny because he's very conservative. It's someone I used to hang out with years ago. And he and his wife would literally be watching TV programs. And he would be sitting there saying, You need honey, you need to look more like her. If you did, I would have sex with you more often. Man, I, I want to have sex with her right now. And they were just having these conversations so casually. To me, that is that is not only course jesting, but that's also tearing your wife down. That is that is doing all sorts of things uh, that that is against the character of a Christian. And so as we're talking about these types of things, don't think that we're coming away saying you can say whatever you want to anybody. Far from it. I, I think that what we're doing is we're getting to the heart of the matter of what these passages are actually talking about. And instead of focusing on whether or not you can say poo-poo or crap or shit, I think we've got to start getting back to is this the, is this the kind of stuff the, the way we're talking about others and gossiping. I know people who gossip every day of their life. Yeah. They would never, ever think about using a cuss word in front of someone. But, in fact, they would gossip about how people cuss, not realizing that the type of speech condemned in the Bible is the type of speech that they're involved in by gossiping.
Exactly. And so it's when, when you look at all these things, there's we, we oversimplify the Bible, man. We really do in so many different issues. And I think this is just another one of those ways that we oversimplify it. Well, and it all comes back to what's in the heart. And I, I think what you just said is absolutely spot on, man. I, I think that's that's absolutely it. Because it's hard to look at scripture, and, and we're about to get into some biblical examples of profanity actually being used in scripture. <laughs> but but whenever hey, you... and by the way, can I put in another plug? This stuff's going to be in my book too. Hey, there it is. There it is. Whenever but, whenever it comes out, man, this book's like, like going to be fifty thousand pages. By it's going to be like the Encyclopedia Britannica, dude. <laughs> but but one of the oh, things man. though, and I want to make this point before we move on to to instances of profanity that are found in the Bible. But dude, what's so wild is, is we get, it's, it's funny to me. It's interesting how hung up we tend to get. And by we, I just mean Christians in general, how we can get hung up on this, but we let all these other things go. Like you're saying, you know, someone would never even, even ponder the idea or consider the idea of a euphemism ever crossing their lips, but they'll gossip or they'll run someone down or they'll speak poorly against one of their brothers or sisters in Christ or even someone who's without it, it, we really are in, in a lot of ways like those Pharisees that Jesus uh, castigated for straining out a gnat but swallowing a camel I was having a conversation with Sarah she's been on the podcast today she works and helps me out in my office some and we were talking today about this idea I was telling her we were recording a podcast tonight she asked what it was over and she said that there was a preacher who made this point that she heard and he said there, and this is what he said in the pulpit, there is so much shit going on in the world right now. People are getting killed and children are starving to death. But many of you that are sitting out there are more worried about me just saying shit than you are about these kids that are starving to death in the world. And really, man, whenever you think about it in those terms, it, holy smokes, man, that's spot on. Because there are people that are going to be really upset about this podcast, and I, I think we'll put probably an explicit content marker on this episode because of just the just the content and the context of what we're what we're talking about. But there are people that well, be, I mean, it's you can't talk about it without talking about it. I mean, it's yeah, like exactly, having an episode on exactly. sex without being able to talk about sex. Yeah, it's just it's impossible. But but I mean, isn't that true though? I mean, we get so hung up over these things that we ignore those weightier matters of the law. And whenever you get right down to it, whenever we think in terms of individual words that are taboo and that are off limits, when you go into the biblical record, and especially in the original languages, you see that this isn't the case. And a lot of what, what you had shared with me prior to us recording this episode, there's some of this that I had seen, but there's a lot of it that I hadn't seen either. And whenever you really dive into it and you start seeing how some of this language is used in the Bible to make these points... Dude, it really is surprising, and it really does help put things in perspective. Yeah, so we're, we're going to give a few examples here, and I want to put this disclaimer before we give these examples because it's hard to know if the first century Christians had the same concept as we do of cuss words. In fact, more than likely, as Lee just gave a, a history um, of, of what we would say cuss word, of cuss words and how that has influenced our thinking today, they probably didn't. They didn't really kind of have that same idea of cuss words like we do. 
Now, that said, they certainly had words that were sometimes used infrequent or they were considered socially taboo or words that were only used in certain contexts uh, or that was understood should have only been used in certain contexts. Uh, and then sometimes they were used in other contexts to make a point that would have been considered a shock factor. Well, by all definitions of cussing, that's kind of how we understand cussing. And so whether we call it cussing, which I don't really think we necessarily should, even in my notes, I put profanity in quotations, even though nobody's seeing this but me. <laughs> I think that the quote, I think that profanity and cussing, I'm still, I'm using quotations right now, Lee, right in front of me. And you see, right? Quotations I see you, baby. Like, yeah. any, like anybody can see that. But so I'm careful with saying the Bible, there's, there's times when, uh, people in the Bible cuss, because I don't really, I think that's overstating that. And and you'll have people today about, oh yeah, you know, there's instances in the Bible, people cussing, you know, we can just go out and say whatever we want to. I don't really necessarily think that that's properly framing it either. But I do think that it is um, overly censoring the Bible to say that we don't see times when there is a lot of vulgarity and crudeness and words that would have been used in a way to emphasize a point of crudeness that would have been very shocking to the audience. And so from that perspective, it is kind of the same thing of cussing and profanity. It correlates so at the very I'll, least, yeah. It, it does, yeah, it does. So I don't want to overstate the case, but I don't want to understate the case either. And so I want to just look at a couple examples. The first one's not so much a matter of, of cussing as it is just a almost a I don't really know exactly what category I would put it in, but it definitely would be a derogatory saying. It would definitely be something that is is considered not very nice. I've got so you. first got Kings you. first Listen. Kings chapter twelve verse ten. Um, you sorry, Lee, were you going to say something? Yeah, this is an anatomically influenced derogatory term. There you go. There That's, you go. Sounded a lot more professional and official than what I said. <laughs> Go ahead, I love man. it, man. I love it. First Kings twelve ten. So you have Rehoboam. He uh, Rehoboam here consults his friends to decide if if he's going to listen to the people or not. And his friends' advice is super, super. I would almost say funny, but it's it's very startling to say the least, especially people who treat the Bible as if like every little word in the Bible is something, you know, we have to be so careful with instead of just taking the narrative arc and, and the meta narrative in the story. But the young men who grew, who grew up with Rehoboam, this is what they said. They said, tell these people, this is 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 10. Tell these people who have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them this, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist or thigh. Now, the word in the Hebrew, waist or thigh, meant loins, and specifically it meant penis, okay? It was talking about a penis. And so the point is, this is what this saying is really, this is what literally this is translated as. You tell those people, my little finger's thicker, uh, thicker than my dad's penis. Now, if, if that sounds a little coarse, I think it's probably because it is. I mean, that's something that when, when you read 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 10, it's just a bit off-putting. It's shocking when you read this, you're like, whoa, you know, like, what is going on here? But what is more is 
when we come to the New Testament, because we could write that off and say, well, but that wasn't really an author saying that. Yeah, yeah, that was a wicked Yeah, and you know, and this this was bad advice, and this was mean, and this, you know, they shouldn't have done that. The Bible obviously doesn't censor out all sin, otherwise we wouldn't have stories about Satan. And so, yeah, that might be in there, but, you know, that it shouldn't be, and that's not nice. And, And I agree, that's not a very nice thing to say. But then you come to the New Testament, and you see Paul, and Paul himself in some of these letters is writing. In Philippians 3.8, he's talking about his life as a Christian compared to his life prior to becoming Christian. And when he's talking about his life prior to becoming a Christian, he, he talks about all the great accomplishments and all the things that he did. And he said, but even that, when compared to the Christian life, I count them garbage. Some translations actually say I count it as dung. Now, if you have the New English translation... This even has a footnote, and this is what the footnote says. The word translated dung was often used in Greek as a vulgar term for fecal matter. As such, it would most likely have had a certain shock value for the readers. Now, I I heard first heard this actually in Bible class about how Paul used this word, and it would be somewhat of 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 an equivalent of either a cuss word, or at least it would have been something that would have been considered a shock factor and improper and, and something that Paul was using in a vulgar way to make his point. And I looked this up in the first article, I just Google searched this because when something like that, when I, when I hear a statement like that, that is, seems to me kind of out of the ordinary, I'm like, I really want to check this. I want to learn more about this. The first article was a guy who said, no, Paul didn't use a vulgar word. <laughs> and this was like the first article. So I read it And I thought, okay, well, I guess that settles it. But then I did a little more research of guys who were actual lexical scholars. And what I found out is that when you look at the context, this certainly would have been a word that would have had that negative connotation in the way in which Paul was using it. So Dr. Sylvia, he's a lexical expert. He argues from the context that emotive connotation is intrinsic within the way Paul's using this word in Philippians 3.8. And he makes the point that common spoken words wouldn't have accomplished Paul's point. So what Paul does, he, he opts for an infrequent word to connote vulgarity within context. And, and by the way, Dr. Sylvia, he even argues that our modern word crap is not really strong enough to communicate the shock factor that Paul is intending. And the famed conservative Greek scholar, Dr. Daniel Wallace, and I say conservative for a reason because these are not, you know, flaming liberal guys who are just trying to rewrite the Bible. These are conservative scholars here who are coming to these conclusions as well. So even the the famed conservative Greek scholar, Dr. Daniel Wallace, who's written textbooks on Greek, most of his books are used in college courses. We used some of his textbooks when I was learning Greek. But he, he, this is what he admits. He says, this is in an article where he conducts a word study on, on this word. And he gives reasons as to why we should understand Paul's usage here as vulgar. And this is how he concludes. He says, the term conveys both revulsion and worthlessness in this context. And in Hellenistic Greek, it seems to stand somewhere between crap and shit. Paul's view of his former life is odious to him as ours should be to us. The best translation, therefore, is one that picks up both worthlessness and revulsion and probably a certain shock value. And then Dr. Wallace goes on to explain that if it wasn't Paul's intention to invoke a shock factor, he could have used other words 
that would have not been offensive. And it's actually, he could have used words for trash. He could have used words for garbage. The way that oftentimes our English translations have translated that word, but that's not the word he used. As Dr. Wallace points out, he opted out for this infrequent word that would have been within that time frame and context the strongest word that would have been known for poo-poo. <laughs> Excrement. So in, in addition, this was not the only time Paul used coarse language to make a point. Um, 1 Corinthians 4.13, Paul also used a couple of words there. And uh, to, that would have been considered strong and offensive. Dr. Craig Bloomberg, he said that the words translated here as scum and, and refuse are fairly vulgar in the original Greek. Their closest English equivalents would offend so many people that modern translations use euphemistic type language like this instead. And so w w when, you, when you just consider this, at first it's a bit shocking. Even Galatians 6, 1 and 2 is another instance where Paul says, can we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Uh, Romans, and this is Romans 6. Uh, yes, Romans 6. I'm sorry. Uh, Romans 6, 1 and 2, where Paul says, God forbid. And this is the strongest Greek idiom to indicate um, just the, the, the idea of it's it, there, there's no other Greek uh, word usage combination that indicates a stronger way of saying no. So if this isn't just, well, can can we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, you can't do that. It's not even, of course not. It's much stronger than that. And this, this repudiation here conveys the idea of outraged indignation. And in other words, if I can say this, I mean, the fact that Lee's already dropped the F word on this show, I don't think there's anything else I can say. <laughs> it was for to, educational uh, purposes, that. Kevin. But but here, this would literally be the equivalent of Paul saying something like, hell no. Like, can, can we continue in sin that grace may be on? Hell no, you can't do that. That's literally would be the equivalent of what Paul's saying. And we, to us, that blows our minds because we're like, whoa, no, no, Kevin, just gus there. No, that's not what they would have been thinking, because what Paul was doing is it wasn't about it, it wasn't about oh what words you can or can't use. Paul was trying to use this phrase to make a point for the shock factor. As you were talking, Lee, just a moment ago about that preacher, why did he use that word? Because it shocked people. There is a shock factor. There's a point that you're trying to make. Paul could have used a lot of other words, but instead he used this strong Greek idiom. And it, it, that, like I said, would have been equivalent to, to today's hell no or something like that. And then finally, Galatians 5.12, Paul even wished those Judaizing teachers that they would just cut off their whole penises. If you're going to bind circumcision, just go ahead and cut off the whole thing. So I want to say this, Lee, and then I'm going to turn over to you for a few minutes uh, to, so we can kind of discuss this. But I want to be very careful in drawing conclusions from this because I think the passages that we mentioned in the Bible here, have more to do with showing the fingerprints of humanity and scripture than proving that we can go out and cuss and tell people we disagree with that they, they need to cut off their penises and that my little <laughs> pinky is bigger than their dad's penis. I, I don't think that's what these examples are there for. Um, I actually believe that because the Bible was not just the from God, but also written through man, that God accommodated that. And I think some of these examples are more or less the fingerprints of human authorship in addition to the divinity of Scripture, but also to prove and to demonstrate that these are real people. 
These are real people who made real points, who talked at times, who maybe said things. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm even careful. Is it okay every example we see in Scripture? Of course not. So I'm careful to say that because of what Paul did in Galatians 5.12, we can we can do that because I would almost place that in the category of using language to to hurt someone. And people say, oh, that's hyperbole. Sure it is, but that's still not a nice thing to say. That's still not something that is going to bring the Christians closer together or encourage these individuals. I could take Galatians 5.12 and pit that against a lot of things Paul said about our speech. So I think we have to be careful with taking these verses and saying, oh, well, if, if Paul said it, it must be okay. Therefore, we can automatically use this. At the same time, I do believe, though, that it shows that oftentimes when we look at the totality of Scripture and we looked at some of those verses that do talk about our speech, I think that we can overstate the case and get to the point of saying, well, I'm not even going to go to a movie if it, if it says a bad word, or I'm not even going to I'm not even going to uh, allow myself to listen to music if it says, you know, crappy in it or whatever it might be. And I think that those things we just have to be very, very, very careful with. But Lee, what do you think about this? I mean, when you see the, you know, am, am I perhaps um, overstating the case? Am I understating the case? What do you think here about what's going on with Paul and some of these examples? Well, I think it's fascinating. And I think it serves to demonstrate that there are certain things that Scripture emphasizes above everything else. And whenever you have strong language being used like this and what would even be called in an ancient context, and if it were translated straight up across the board, it would even be considered offensive in our modern context. I think what yeah. that demonstrates is the power of the point being made. It's easy mm -hmm. to lose sight of the point, just like that illustration that Sarah gave about the preacher that she heard, you know, saying, you know, we're going to worry about this word, this particular phonetic expression coming from my mouth. You're going to worry more about that than these kids that are starving to death overseas. These people, you know, the genocide that's going on in Darfur, I think that was part of what was going on at that time. I'm not 100 percent sure, but we're going to focus more on that than this. We've lost sight of the forest for the trees. We've lost sight of the big picture. And I think what it comes down to and what you're really getting at the point you're making is that there's a measure of wisdom that's taken into account. You can't go to the Bible and say that these, you know, what George Carlin would have called these seven words that you can never say. The Bible isn't teaching that. You can't make the case that the Bible's teaching that at all. And I really believe that whenever we make that case that, you know, these words are words you should never say and these euphemisms that are substitutes for those words are words that you should never say. I really think that we're viewing the Bible through our own cultural lens and we're eisegetically drawing those conclusions from the scriptures instead of letting the scriptures speak for themselves. The speech that's condemned, like we talked about before, and I think you put it extremely well earlier in this episode, it's tearing people down. It's, it's ripping someone apart with your words. It's using your words to cause harm to others, either directly by confronting them and speaking to them in a way that you shouldn't, or indirectly through gossip. That, that, that's the bigger point that's, that's being made there. But I would even say, I would even take it a step further. There are some people who may have that conviction that I don't need to watch this movie because it's got all these cuss words in it. Or I don't need to watch this movie because it even has one cuss word in it. I don't need to listen to this song because, you know, it has a cuss word. in it. I know a fella who wouldn't eat at Jimmy John's sandwich shop because their slogan is that's a damn good sandwich. So he wouldn't eat there because he didn't want to support Jimmy John's. And 
the way I see that is if that's your conviction, then stand on that conviction, live according to that conviction. But I would even go further and I would ask this question, not to challenge your convictions, but to, but to ask, why do you hold that conviction in the first place? Is it because of what the Bible actually says and teaches on this subject, or is it because of the cultural conditioning that we have experienced and that we have gone through that has established these words as vulgar or profane or taboo? So what's the source of that conviction to begin with? And even further than that, I would say, and personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with those words in and of themselves just as a purely logical construct, there's nothing wrong with them, but I'm not going to go out of my way and use them in my common speech, especially with people who would take offense to it because I need to consider my brother as well. I need to consider someone, you know, maybe they don't have this level of knowledge. Maybe they don't have this understanding of the etymology of these words and where they came from and why they have been considered taboo for so long. It gets back into classism and different social stratifications. They may not be aware of that. And to them, if I say that word, it's going to cast a pall upon me. It's going to reflect poorly upon me and my walk with God. And it's going to cause problems. If that's the case, I need to be sensitive to that and I need to consider my brother and their feelings before I go off and just start throwing these around willy nilly. There's a measure of wisdom that's at play there. No, absolutely. I I parallel this to meat sacrifice with idols. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with eating meat sacrifice to idols during that time. And of course, we don't really have that problem today. So it's hard sometimes for us to apply that. But the point Paul was making is that if there are those who believe it's wrong to eat meat sacrificed to idols, well, then you don't need to be eating meat sacrificed to idols around that person. And you have to be careful because there were a lot of people who had been converted, a lot of Gentiles who had been converted, who still associated eating those meat sacrificed to, to idols with their idolatry. And because of that, it, it, could, it could hinder, it could hurt people. And I think the same is true when it comes to using these words. If we're, if we're using words in any sense to harm others, to tear people down, to gossip, to make empty vows, to joke about sexual immorality, then yeah, I, I think that is objectively wrong and unchristlike. Those and it doesn't matter. Against, it doesn't matter what words we're using in that sense. Yeah. And, and if people understood gossip, uh, if, if, if someone gossiping, if was put in the same light as someone throwing out the F word, then I think that we we would quit gossiping. I think a lot of people would quit gossiping. I think people would say, hey, well, I didn't realize it was that bad. I don't need to do it. But I think the reason, Lee, why people like to identify what these seven, eight American cuss words is because, especially within Christendom, is because it's easy to say these are the words you don't say. Once again, we're all about making lists as humans. We want to say, just tell you know, give me the list to tell me what I what I need to do so I can check it off. And yes, a lot of people, this is a matter of conscience, but I, this is also a matter of trained conscience. It's a matter of you were taught that you shouldn't say these things, and this is just another way, unfortunately, for. Christians to feel self-righteous and, oh, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, because I mean, I felt that way. Even when I didn't say suck and crap, I looked down on people who said those things because, well, they may have not been cuss words, but they're really not the best of words. And a Christian shouldn't let anything uh, impure come out of their mouth. And so because of that, I'm the better Christian because I'm not saying these things. 
But that that said, I do want to second your point. If we're talking about using words around an audience or group of people where we already know going into it, it's probably going to be offensive. Look, I don't cuss. I I, I don't cuss on a on a normal basis. I don't cuss or uh, you know I. I probably cussed more in this episode than I have any other uh, <laughs> times, but no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just joking. But you know, th- this is something though. I really, it's not part of my normal vocabulary. That said, if I'm around a person or a group of people and I know that they're not going to take offense to it and you know, and look, I'm going to be honest. A lot of times when I stub my toe, man, I cuss because that's just the natural thing. I may not do it out loud. I do it in my mind. And if 95% of people are honest, they do too. Well, it's a natural um, painkiller, and, uh, like you said before. It's it's that painkiller, man. You know, but the the point is, is that if it, it let's get back to the question: Is it wrong for a Christian to cuss? The answer is it depends. I think it could be. I don't think it always is. Of course not. If we're talking about using words around an audience or group of people where we know it won't be offensive, it doesn't hurt anybody. We're not using it in derogatory ways. We're not. Uh, joking sexually about how, wanting to have sex or uh, sexual immorality or those types of things, then, then, then I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it because it's no different than saying, like I said, poo poo or doo doo or crap or shit. I mean, th- those are all three words that mean the same thing. Now, even within this podcast, we put qualifier after qualifier after qualifier, and we're using this as an educational time to talk about these things. And even then we made sure, okay, there may be, you know, may not, children may not want, need to be in there listening to this. Um, depending upon where you're at on this issue, we try to be respectful. And I think that comes back to what language is about too, is being respectful. And what bugs the stew out of me is I'm getting more progressively. Um, I was talking to someone the other day. I said, I think I'm going the way of the progressives. And I was being funny. I was making a joke. And he goes, yeah, I, th- I think you are too. But he said, no, you really are, though, Kevin. But the, the thing that is has bothered me is when I read some of these books written by people who are under that umbrella of progressivism, there sometimes is just so much language used in that. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I, I personally, not from a self-righteous perspective, but I just don't know what their point is. Uh, and and, and I, when I'm trying, if I'm trying to help someone get to heaven, I know that if I start dropping the F-bomb left and right, that's going to hinder my influence. If I'm going, you know, publicly speaking and I'm just, hey, I'm going to be cool and start just dropping F-bombs left and right and seeing how often I can cuss. I honestly don't understand that mentality. I really don't. So people listening to this, my conclusion isn't, oh, yeah, sure. Cussing is not a big deal. Just go out and live it up. I still think we have to look at what Jesus did and who Jesus was like. And even Paul, the times that he said these things that would be somewhat equivalent to a, a, a cuss word or at best or at worst, whichever way you want to put it, offensive or vulgar, it wasn't his norm. He wasn't yeah. going around telling everybody to cut off their penises. He wasn't going around telling everyone about the shit life he once lived. This were, these were things <laughs> that were, were put uh, very sparingly, which is why I'm not really sure where to classify them. I'm, I'm very cautious saying, oh, here's an example, so it's okay to do it because I think that these were still humans and I think their humanity was showing through in this. But at the same time, I do think words have, have uh, the way that we say the words and what the words say can have a powerful impact and effect on the audience. But we have to be very sensitive to who that audience is. And I think that 
my personal opinion is as a general rule, because of the way so many people do understand cuss words, I, I, I want to be above reproach the best that I can. But that doesn't mean that if someone does choose to use words that I deem probably maybe not proper in certain times and they do, I'm not going to judge them for that. If if they're not hurting someone, if they're not talking derogatory against somebody else, if they're not speaking in, in about sexual immorality and joking about that, if they're if they're keeping their promises and, and doing the best to stand by their word, but they throw out words every now and then. There was a guy I went to church with, one of the best Christian men I have ever known, and he came in my office the first time, one of the first times I met him. This was about 12 or 13 years ago at a church I was working with. And he was very, I mean, he's a, he's an older man, uh, older man. I, I mean, he was probably at least close to close to eighties during this time. And he just walked in there and uh, just with tears in his eyes, I said, well, what's going on? He said, I, I cannot believe how, what, you know, what I did earlier. And I said, what? He goes, well, he goes, I use the word. He said, I use the S word. And I said, the S word? He goes, yeah, you know, and he whispered, whispered it. He goes, shit. And I, he goes, I, but the pre, the, the, at that time, I wasn't actually the preacher. Um, I was just working with the church in a different capacity. He said, the preacher, you know, he, he told me that's a sin. He told me that, that I can't do that and I've got to repent. That's just a horrible word. And he goes, I had no idea. He said, I've always said that word and I never meant anything by it. <laughs> And uh, he said, I, he said, I just told him, you know, I'm, I've got to go take a shit real quick. And he said, you would have thought that, you know, he said, I, I didn't realize that. And so, of course, at that time, I, I told him, I'm like, yeah, that was a sin. You need to repent and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And But I, I just say all that to say that this is a layered, like most things, it's a layered conversation. There's and a it's not a one size. Yeah. And it's not a one size fits all. And that's why we explore faith, pursue grace. We talk about things that a lot of preachers can't talk about. We talk about things we don't have to worry about getting fired because, hey, this isn't our job. We we have real jobs. Um, but <laughs> just kidding, my preacher friends out there. But, you know, this, this is something where I think more conversations need to be had because I'm going to, let, let me just say this real quick as a personal testimony. When I had clear play, my mind was brought to the attention of those things even more so. And when I started talking to people who had been converted and they said, you know, they used to work in different work fields and workplaces where what we would call cussing was just their, the, that's just the way they talked. They didn't think anything of it. I realized that I was making an issue for some people where there was no issue. And Lee, as you pointed out, if this is something that offends you, and, we, and look, we hope we haven't offended anybody in this podcast. That's not been our intent. We are just trying to be honest with this subject, try, try to bring some clarity to this issue um, instead of all the ambiguity, amb, uh, ambiguity, ambiguity that, that ambiguity. oftentimes... I got you. Ambiguity, man. thank you. Ambiguous uh, nature that sometimes this conversation brings and try to have an honest discourse about this and really get back to what does the Bible say about our speech? Is God concerned with making sure I use the proper word for feces? Or is God more concerned with making sure I'm not harming one another with my words and that, that I'm not bringing people down, but what, rather I'm bringing people up with my words? Well, and I think what you said about being a brother approach, I, th I think that summarizes it extremely well because 
you know, the goal is to try to, the goal is to make it to heaven by the grace of God and to try to preach that good news of Jesus Christ to as many people as we can. And we want to eliminate anything that will get in the way of that. And using these words could get in the way of that for a lot of people. And that's why I think, you know, my conclusion on this is, is that it's best to avoid it. But in a situation where it will not cause offense, it's it's not something that that you can just engage in or should, I should say, engage in willy nilly. I think that the rarity of this type of language being used by Paul himself demonstrates that. You know, Paul's not dropping a lot of this stuff over and over and over again. You don't see things like what Rehoboam said or what Paul said in those isolated instances. You don't see that being done over and over and over again ad nauseum in Scripture. And so to me, what that connotes is the idea that in the appropriate time and place and context, well, it's certainly acceptable and at the very least making these phonetic sounds depending on the context there's nothing wrong with that in general but if no, our it, if our speech is that which is causing harm to others if we're tearing others down if we're condemning other people with our speech it doesn't matter what words we're using in that sense it doesn't matter if we're using a so-called cuss words or if one never slips our lips at all if we're using our language and our words to tear others down and to cause harm to others, then it's wrong, full stop. Yeah, we need to be not only respectful of others in that sense, but also we need to use wisdom. And that's something that legalism doesn't really provide. It Legalism provides a list of do's and don'ts, right and wrongs. Wisdom really calls us to challenge each situation we're in and to evaluate how we should handle it. I, I, I have friends of mine, and they teach their children not to say the word stupid, especially at a young age. They're, they're, yeah, we you do know, that. No, they're, they're, and so when I'm around them, um, they've, they have told me before, you look, just please don't try, don't use the word stupid. And, and I didn't say, well, I can say stupid. There ain't, there's no law against that. And no, of course. I'm, I said, I didn't say that. I said, well, hey, absolutely. I, I'll be more than happy uh, to comply. I didn't say, well, that's stupid. You think stupid's wrong. I didn't do that. <laughs> and, um, you know, probably in my earlier days I may have, but what I try to do is respect the the audience that I'm around, the people that I'm around. And that's not just with the words we use. That's with the tone. That's when the, with the content. There are some people where I won't talk about certain things because I don't think it's the why, the why situation. And then there's other people where I feel like I can be more open about certain things because I think in that situation, Wisdom allows me to do that. By and large, when you're dealing with speech, this we, we've, we've said this before and I'll say it again. I really think wisdom, but being above reproach and looking at your situation is really so important. Is saying, is this going to help me show the light of Jesus in this situation? And there may be some situations where... Um, doing that could really hurt. Even even saying crap or sucks. There's there's in some situations, I, I, a lot of times when I speak, uh, especially when I'm publicly speaking, I try to be as formal as possible with my language considering the whole audience. I I don't want to try to speak in slang terms that could help, uh, that could hurt someone. Um, I don't know who my audience is. And so when I don't know who my audience is, I would rather do the best I can. If I'm if I'm going to a church with a bunch of Gentiles, I'm probably not going to bring meat 
sacrifice to idols. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably not going to do that. Um, but if I'm hanging out with my with my friends who told me they don't have a problem with that, we may we may eat meat sacrificed to idols and and enjoy it while we do it. Um, so it's it's all about wisdom and, and looking at this in from situation to situation. And honestly, as culture changes, words change. I wouldn't have said sucker crap years ago. Now those words are kind of acceptable by and large in a lot of uh, in a lot of circles, even Christian circles. But other words are not. And those words in another 10 to 20, 15, you know, 30 years may be. Who knows? But well, look at I, I just think word, we have to look at wisdom. Well, I was going to say, no, that's exactly right. I mean, look at how the word gay has changed. I mean, in the 1920s, yeah. it meant something completely different than it does in the 2020s. So that yeah. language definitely changes. And I mean, using wisdom is I, I agree with everything that you just said, brother. And I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's been a really good one. Do you have anything else that you want to add before we sign off? I, I do want to say just one more thing because, uh, you know, I, I do. Sometimes I get really frustrated on um, with with different sides of the spectrum. And, and sometimes I even get frustrated with myself. So I'm not trying to put set myself up as the one who who knows it all. But when it comes to just this idea of, oh, well, you know, now we've got some passages here and... Bible nest doesn't really speak to our modern idea of cussing anyway, so we can just go out and do it, and we can rub that in people's face. And so, when I meet someone who's legalistic, I'm going to cuss um, just to make them uncomfortable. Let me let me tell you this: that is so unchristlike. Like, and, and <laughs> I know, and I and I know, and I know people because it it frustrates me because it's that stereotype person who was legalistic and they found freedom and now they're a jerk with their freedom to everybody they meet. And they're like, oh, well, now that I can, um, quote unquote, cuss, I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, freak people out. And the next time I meet somebody who's real legalistic, I'm just going to throw a cuss word at them and tell them Paul cuss. So it's okay that I can. That stuff bugs the stew out of me. And notice I use the word stew on purpose, but it bugs <laughs> the stew out of me because what it, what it's doing is it's 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 another form of legalism. It's not that's not loving your neighbor. That's not speaking kindly to one another. If I know something is going to offend you, and I decide to say it, and I'm not talking about it's truth and you need to hear it or anything like that, but I'm saying if if I know that I could, I, I'm going to use a word that's going to hurt you in some way or offend you, but I choose to use it anyway just to offend you. That says a lot more about my character than it does anything else, and that's. Yeah what we need to be focusing on is being respectful toward one another in our in our language and the way we speak to one another and how, even the tone and the words all those things are they are important and instead of focusing so much on well, can I can I cuss can I not cuss i think we've got to get back to what does the bible say about our speech and those are the things we need to focus on if we if we worked on making sure we're not gossiping Keeping the vows we make, not using empty or vain words, not not joking uh, about sexual immorality and those types of things. I'm telling you, I, I think things would would be a whole lot whole lot different when we look at the character and the heart of speech instead of simply the words of our speech. I think uh, things would change. I really do. I think that's spot on, brother. And I think this has been a great conversation, man. Thank you so much for your work and helping put some of these notes together. And man, I appreciate you. Thank you. I think this was a great idea and it's not really a topic I would have ever considered doing if, if you wouldn't. I was like, man, yeah, that's a good idea. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there may be some people that are going to accuse us of just wanting an excuse to say cuss words, but that's not the case. You know, as always, we want to 
you know, speak in terms of, of grace and we want to explore faith and pursue grace. And this is one of those things that is a big deal to a lot of people. So my hope is, is in this episode that you, our audience, take something away from this that helps you serve God better, something that helps you in your walk with Christ, something that helps you, that this is something that helps you appreciate God's grace on a deeper level. Um, yeah, I hope I hope it allows people to not only look at the situation and and be more conscious of who they're talking to, but also maybe not judge themselves so harshly either. If they were taught, yes. oh, these words in and of themselves, are, well, maybe if you're by yourself and you stub your toe now, you don't have to judge yourself and go, oh man, I can't believe what I just said. It's like, well, you know that that's not, that word wasn't wrong in and of itself. You know, replacing it with oh poo it is not going to maybe like God's oh okay whoo I'm glad he said poo instead of s word. I mean it, that's <laughs> that's not that's not what's going on there. And so I hope that it teaches us not only to be more respectful of others, but also gives us more grace within certain confines of how we can use what I believe we can use certain words and still of course be walking with Jesus and and within his will and those, all those types of things. Well, you just said that way better than how I did. And you said exactly what I was trying to communicate. So thank you for that. And thank you all for listening. We appreciate all of you. We always appreciate our audience. Give us that five-star review on iTunes or whatever medium you choose to consume this podcast on. We love all of you. We appreciate all of you. Holler at us if you have any questions or comments. We love hearing from you and we'll see you all soon.